0: Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 71, if you would, today, as we prepare our hearts for this Lord's table. As is our practice every Lord's Supper, we go to a psalm. We go to a psalm to let that help us draw near, to think about the, the worship that the psalmist gives in these words and and the prayer that he offers and the expressions that he gives the psalm i've chosen today is psalm 71 and i've entitled the sermon i hope you've noticed my strength may fail me but god never does now I, i didn't use the title that most commentators use for this psalm most commentators just say this is a psalm for old age now, I didn't do that for very obvious reasons, okay? Because some of you are old, and I didn't want to offend you. And I'm getting there, and so I didn't want you to think that. But this psalm talks about the faithfulness of God. The psalmist does, in verse uh, 9, talk about uh, his, uh, his being an old man, him having reached that point of his life. But the whole psalm is amazing. It kind of centers around that thought Because that's the present for the psalm. But in in talking about this psalm, in in writing these words, the psalmist looks back to his youth, even to being in his mother's womb, and he looks forward to what his task is yet to be, even in his old age. So he looks to the past, he talks about the present, and then he looks to the future. And folks, let me tell you something. Whether you're here and you're old or not, Lord willing, you're going to get there one day. So this is for everybody. For everybody to think about, what do we look at in our past? What do we think about has been God's work and God's grace and God's glory in our past? What's he doing right now? And what is it that is left yet for us to be done? Because that's really what the psalmist wants us to see. Uh, I'm going to read this entire psalm. I thought about not doing that, just reading a portion. But I want you to hear it. It's a a little more lengthy than normally I read on a Lord's Supper morning. But hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. So it sort of opens up with just an expression of his faith, an expression of his belief. This is what I believe. This is what I'm resting on. This is who I am resting in, the psalmist is saying. Then he says in verse 4 Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many. We'll come back to that word. But you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent, for my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far off from me. Be not far from me, O my God. Make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually. And I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. For their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will, remain, I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O oh God, from my youth, you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp. For your faithfulness, O my God, I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt this is one of the psalms It carries with it no attribution it's not listed as who wrote this psalm it has it has some similarities to psalms that relate back to Moses and some of the writings that he did in the in the wanderings in the wilderness and and in fighting off the enemies and it also has a lot of similarities to David he talks about the musical instruments and singing unto the Lord and and so i really think i kind of attribute this myself to david i think this is david in his old age in his wisdom looking back on all that god has done and all the protection god has given and looking forward to what yet he must do and thinking about god even in the midst of this time when my when i fear death so so I, i fear my strength is failing when i when i fear a loss of honor and dignity when i fear a loss of strength a sense of vulnerability a a forced dependency he says lord i must trust in you i have to trust in you there's nothing else i don't have the strength to fight off my enemies i depend on you to fight those enemies for me and then the fear that one's life will be misinterpreted and devalued that's what he's talking about when he talks about in verse seven i have been as a portent to many so so david is talking here about his life and his testimony And all that God has done in him and for him and will do through him. It's it's a glorious truth to hear the the praise and the the remembrance and the the acceptance of what God has been doing and is doing in David's life. And so as we look at this psalm, I I think there's lessons here for us. He talks about in verses 1 through 3, and I kind of stopped there and called attention to that. He says, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. me, Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. In, In those three verses, the psalmist just opens up by saying, okay, I'm about to tell you my story. I'm about to tell you what God has done in my life, but I want you to know what I believe. I want you to know where my my dependency is. I want you to know that all these things that I've accomplished through the years of being king and and everything else, I have never done in my own strength. I have done it because God is my refuge and my rock and my strength. He is my protector against all things. I want you to know, he says to his people, and by... by, uh, at least implication says to you and me today i want you to know that my god is a mighty god a ruling god a reigning god a powerful god a god who is literally the foundation of my life what is a rock a rock is something that when we think we can think of little pebbles around and not think this way but if you see a real rock you think about something that is stable you think about something on which you can build a found- that can be a foundation for for your life and a foundation or something. When I think of a rock, I always think of where I lived from 1983 until 1991. I I lived at the base of of Stone Mountain in Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. And every day as I would go to, uh, really come home from the office at church, I'd drive down uh, Rock Bridge Road, and I'd look up, and, and there would be Stone Mountain, this huge granite edifice coming out of the ground. Now, I was looking at the backside, so I didn't see any carving or anything. I just saw this huge rock and and when you when, when I studied that as I was living there I found out that that rock was not just sitting there at one place that literally the the part of it the the roots of it if you will the the foundation of it stretched out under five different states Georgia Alabama Tennessee South Carolina and North Carolina that granite base stretched out under five states it was absolutely immovable there could have been earthquake after earthquake in stone mountain georgia and stone mountain would not have moved and that's the kind of rock that's the kind of stone that's the kind of security that david is talking about here when he says you have been my rock you have been my fortress you have been a rock of refuge for me i trust in you and then before he gets to the present he reflects on the past He says in verse 5, he says, For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust. O Lord, from my youth upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You You are he who took me from my mother's womb. Now, I don't think David thought God was literally the midwife who probably delivered him in the time of birth. But he recognized that God was in the birth process because God is in the life process from conception until birth. And said, God, you took me from my mother's womb. You protected me even when I was there. And so my praise is continually of you. You What a beautiful picture of the sanctity of life. What a beautiful picture of remembering in the past. And I think what God is saying here through David is he's saying this, listen, in your life, you may have been through some difficult times. David went through some difficult times. Saul hated him. He went out and fought Goliath in the power of, uh, of, power of the Lord. He, he, he was challenged on many affronts at many different times and went into many wars, even fell into sin and committed heinous sins and yet found God's forgiveness. And yet, David is saying here, when I look to the past, I recognize that God was always protecting me. When we look to the past, the thing we must do always is say, Lord, you have been there. You have been my protection. You have been my rock and my refuge and my fortress. Think back in your own life. Whether you're young or whether you're old or whether you're somewhere there in the middle, do you look to your past and see times when God has protected you and delivered you even though things haven't gone the way you've wanted them to go? You look back and say, you know, except for the grace of God, no telling where I would be today, no matter what, no no telling what would be happening in my life, but God's grace is sufficient, and God's work is powerful and has been in my life. That's what David is saying. He said, I remember, now I don't really think David remembered being in his mother's womb, but he says, I remember because I've been told that you were protecting me and guarding me even in my mother's womb. And no matter what came my way throughout all of my life, you have been there for me and you have protected me and you have cared for me. And he says in verse 7, there's that word that that sometimes we trip up over, I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. A portent is a sign or a warning of something, especially something momentous or uh, calamitous that's about to strike or about to happen david said i know To many people they've looked at my life and they've seen the struggles i've been through and the hard times i've had to face and they thought oh my if king david is suffering that what am i going to suffer and maybe his enemies looked at it and saw god's protection and said oh wait a minute god is guarding him god is protecting him maybe i need to consider what god is doing in his life Because I don't have that in my own life, a portent is a warning of something that is coming, or or a or a sign that something's coming. So it can be positive or it can be negative. I think David is here basically dwelling on the negative. There though, I think he's saying I struggled a lot. And people have looked at me and they've mocked me. And and even as he said in Psalm 73, or the psalmist said in Psalm 73, I look around and the the wicked are are prospering. And here I am trying to keep my hands clean and my heart pure. And I'm suffering all the day long. I I think what he's saying here is people look at me and say, Uh huh, how good is your God? He's not even taking you out of this trouble. David says, You know, he really is. He really is. He really is protecting me. He really is my strong refuge, even when times are difficult. So he said, I look back and I thank the Lord. And because of that, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day long. And now he moves into the present. He says, my mouth is filled with praise. Your glory is all the day long before me. And then he says in verse 9, do not cast me off in the time of my old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. So he says, listen, Lord, I, I know I'm, I'm not what I used to be. I, I, my eyesight's bad maybe, my hearing's bad, I, I can't run as fast as I used to. Man, I can't run at all. What am I saying? You know, I, I can't do the things I used to. I can't charge into battle anymore like I did early in my life. But Lord, in my old age, don't cast me aside. Use me. Glory in me. My strength is spent. And because of that, my enemies look at me and they talk about me. They say, ah. They watch my life and they consult together. And they say, he's weak. He's old. He's not what he used to be. He's not as dignified. He, He has to depend on God. Maybe God has forsaken him. In the past, we've not been able to defeat him because God has protected him. But maybe now God has forsaken him and turned his back on him, and now we can charge in and conquer him. Maybe that can take place now. So David just prays, Oh God, be not far from me. Oh, God, make haste to be my help. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually. I will praise continually yet more and more my mouth will tell of your righteous acts your deeds of salvation all the day for their number is past my knowledge in other words lord, i'm going to speak about your acts of salvation i'm going to speak about your mighty deeds i'm going to tell everybody i can about what you have done but i recognize that those mighty deeds and those miracles and those protections are more than i can even count lord i recognize that I know there were times when you protected me. I'm aware of that. But I know there were many more times when I'm not even aware of what you were doing in my life. When I thought I was doing it myself, when I thought I was going to fail and flounder, you lifted me up and I didn't even know it. I'm going to tell about it. I'm going to continually speak concerning your goodness and your righteous acts, and your deeds of salvation. Right now in the present, right now in the present, I I think I would ask, is that your commitment right now? Maybe you're old, maybe you're young, maybe you're in the middle. But is your commitment to say, Lord, right now in the present, no matter what I'm doing, no matter where I am, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to find my hope in you. And I'm going to continue to hope in you. I'm going to continually praise you. That is worship you. I'm going to continually look to you and trust in you and walk with you no matter what. Are are you at that point in your life right now? For many people who claim the name of Christ, they would gladly say that wasn't how I was in the past yeah the day i came to christ the day i trusted christ as lord and savior the day i the day i professed him publicly through baptism that day i i knew the presence of god i sensed it i felt it but over the years i've not felt it quite like i did then folks it's not a matter of his we, him becoming weak it's not a matter of him forsaking you it's not a matter of him saying well you've gotten older now and I don't need you and you don't need me. No, it's a matter of that commitment has not been perhaps what it should have been. There's not been that deep abiding commitment in the present, in a here and now, that I will do whatever you call me to do, Lord. And I will speak your truth to those around me. For you who are in my class tonight, we're going to close out being in the church in Babylon. And and we're going to talk about some things the church needs today today. And, and one of the things I'm going to point out is the church today needs a, review, a, a renewed understanding and a re- renewed commitment to the now, not to the past. We can't rest on our laurels. We can't rest in, in what we once had or thought we had, but we have to look in the now to being committed to and faithful to the call of God in our life. That's vital. So David says, in my past you protected me, and in the present, even in my old age, my enemies think you've forsaken me, but I know you've not forsaken me, and with the mighty deeds of the Lord God will come, I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. In verse 17, he starts looking to the future. He says, oh God, from my youth you have taught me And I still proclaim your wondrous deeds, even to old age. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me, until, look at this, until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. Dave said, yeah, I have a great youth even from my mother's womb, I, know, I, I knew you were watching over me and, and you were commanding my salvation and I, I was trusting you in the present. I'm weak and I'm struggling, but I know you're present. And Lord, I will not be satisfied until I can tell the future generations about your goodness and about your grace. You know, in, in David's day, and even at a, at a time, perhaps even in our own country, there was something admired about old age gray hair there was something about having lived through generations and having wisdom because of that and being able to impart that wisdom to the younger generation and and in our people said that it's good that you're old it's good that you have lived these lives and been faithful to the lord that's all gone now Now the old are looked at as useless. Now even some people even say, you know, you just need to do your duty and die. If you're old, come on. Don't get medical care, just die. That's actually been said. Today we we honor youth. So we have a 16-year-old lady from Europe, young lady from Europe, who schools us in environmental understanding, you know, because she's young and she's She's, she's hip and so we look to the youth to be able to say oh this is where I mean I remember listen I'm a child of the 60s I remember our phrase in the 60s don't trust anybody over 30 some of you remember that and now you go to the, to the Hallmark store, to the grocery store, to the card section, and you go there and you start looking for a birthday card, and you see all these birthday cards for somebody turning 40, and they're black and they're like funerals, and they're like, you know, it's like the end has come because they're turning 40. Oh, to be 40 again. I would consider that a rebirth, not a death. But in David's day, the older generations were, honored respected because especially those who had lived through difficult times and seen the power of god in their life david says here's what i want to do i want to tell the future generations about your power i want to tell the future generations about what a rock of refuge you are. I want to tell the future generations about what you have done in my life, but more importantly, what you will do in their life when they trust in you and put their hope in you and put their faith in you. I want to be able to tell the future generations, another generation, your power to all those who come after. You say, but I'm old. And our culture values you. Not age. Nobody wants to hear me. Try it. Maybe they don't value our age because we quit talking. Maybe they don't value our age because we quit mentoring and, and discipling. We quit telling them what we've learned about walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we just kind of withdraw into ourselves and say, Oh, well, I can't do that anymore because I'm old. Can I use a real theological term about that? Baloney. It may very well be that in your senior years, in your golden years, that someone once told me it's more brass than golden, but in your golden years... Maybe that's the time that God wants to use you the most for the cause of Christ. To tell the generation that is following, you know, when I was young and I was strong, I still realized I needed to trust in Him. When I thought I had it all together, He would always, I love how David says here, said, you have allowed in verse 20, not allowed. you have made me see many troubles and many calamities, well, but you will revive me again. It may be that in our times when we think we're so strong, that's when God says, oh, he needs a bit of a trial. She needs a bit of a calamity. They need to recognize, we need to recognize, we need to understand We can't do it. And our hope and our trust must be in Him. In my past, you protected me. In the present, I'm old and weak, but you're still with me. Be my rock. Don't let my enemies come against me. And in the future, let me tell another generation. About your goodness, about your glory. Then he closes with praise and worship. Those last three verses. I will also praise you with a harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with a lyre, O holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long for they have been put to shame and disappointed and sought to do me hurt. Those words, I will praise you for your faithfulness. I will sing to you because you're the Holy One. My lips will shout for joy when I sing because my soul you have redeemed and my tongue will talk of your righteousness help all day long your righteous help all day long those who seek to defame me those who seek to lie about me those who seek to destroy me those who seek to conquer me they will be put to shame because i'm not the source of my strength you are lord and in you, and you alone. It says that in verse 16. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. It's not my righteousness. It's his imputed righteousness to me by his grace and for his glory. Your righteousness and yours alone is what I will proclaim all the days of my life. So, so the psalmist is affirming... Things that we need to affirm. There are things that we need to think about when we come to this table. Wondered how I was going to make a tie there, didn't you? We need to think about these things when we come to this table. We come to this table as believers. and, And this table is for people who have professed Christ and been baptized as a public proclamation of their faith in Christ. Doesn't have to be Baptist, doesn't have to be Southern Baptist, doesn't have to be Grace Baptist, but someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, a baptized follower of Jesus Christ. And so we we come to this table and we recognize, though, that we're not redeemed and saved and, and set apart because of what we did or what we are or how good we are. It's because of the sacrifice that took place on that cross that was illustrated and symbolized in the upper room on the night before he died, before he went to the cross. That's why we observe this once a month. You know my heart. I really want to do it every Sunday, but we do it once a month. We come to this table and we think about as we, as in a few minutes as we pass those elements. You'll, you'll hold in your hand that bread. You'll hold in your hand that, that cup. And, and we will talk about how the fact that this is my body which is given for you, take and eat it. And we eat it. And it's, it's not the literal body of Christ. It is the, it is a representation of that body. Much like I could go down and pick up my cell phone and open it to something that came during the service. I don't know what it is because I didn't look, but I guarantee I know what it was because it's from my son. It's a picture of my two grandbabies getting ready to go to church this morning. Get it every Sunday morning. He always waits so I'm already in here before he sends it. <laughs> but I could and get that phone and open that up or one of a thousand others I've got on there, if need be, and I could hold it up to you or I could put it up on the screen and I could say, y'all, this is my grandbabies, my granddaughter and my grandson. This is Adeline and, Her- and Henry. And and you wouldn't for a minute think, "Wow, Bill's grandkids are a telephone." It's so sad he can't touch them or hold. Them. No, no, it's just a representat- representation of what they look like. And if you want to see them after the service, I'll show them to you. But but yeah, you know, I could say this is my grandchildren, and you wouldn't mistakenly think I'm holding some inanimate object in my hand that I call my grandchildren. It's just a picture. This is a picture. So we take the bread and remember his body that was crucified in our place as our substitute. And then we take the cup and we, he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. This seals the new covenant. Take and drink it and do this in remember me. As often as you do it, remember me. Remember what I've done in the past. Recognize what I'm doing in your life in the present. And make commitment while holding those elements that in the future, I want to tell of your glorious grace and your glorious being and your glorious works to the generations yet to come. I want to be faithful. Why? Because, Lord, you have been faithful. I love the testimony of Polycarp who was the aged bishop of Smyrna who was martyred on February the 22nd in the year AD 156 He was being taken to the arena and on his way to the arena he was given a choice you can worship Caesar or you are refusing to do that you'll be offered to the lions city officials tried to persuade him because they really respected him. They didn't believe like him, and they didn't believe in Jesus, and they believed in Caesar, but they really respected Polycarp. They had a deep respect for him because of his age. He was in his 80s. And his reputation. And so they argued with him. What harm is there in saying Caesar is Lord and burning some incense and saving yourself? What harm is it in just saying, oh, Caesar is Lord. I, I worship Caesar. I mean, those are just words, right? There's some today who, when the time comes in our own country, are going to be faced with that challenge. Either say that there is no God and Jesus is not Lord and you're going to worship the state and bow before the state, Or you'll at least lose your job, if not your life. It's going to be a temptation for some of you, especially some of you younger folks. Here's what Polycarp answered. For 86 years, I have been Christ's slave, his doulos. I've been Christ's slave. And he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? And he went into the arena and he was martyred. Despite his age and no doubt his physical weakness, Polycarp was not weak. But he was not strong in his own strength. He was strong in the faith Strong in the presence, strong in the security of the rock of his salvation. Because he remembered the strength that God had given him when he was younger, even as a disciple of the Apostle John. He remembered the strength that God had given him, and he remembered the faithfulness of God to him throughout the many long years he had lived. So it's going to be with you and me. Should we live? Are you going to recall God's love and faithfulness over your whole lifetime? Continue to walk in that and be changed by that for the glory of God and your sanctification? We sing a hymn around here occasionally. We didn't sing it this morning. I should have had to sing it this morning. Go something like this. I won't sing it. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Do you remember that? Judy and Kelly, real quick, come here. Can you get that verse up? Well, we don't have time. Play it during the Lord's Supper being served. I'm sorry. I've embarrassed them now. I'm sorry. Y'all go ahead and have a seat. We're about to be finished. (laughs) Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. As we prepare for this table, would you prepare by thinking about his faithfulness to you? Pray with me. Father, we do bow in your presence, thanking you, O God, for your grace and your goodness and power and mercy coming to you, Lord, to this table. Lord, may this bread and may this fruit of the vine that we're about to take, may it, oh Lord, remind us of your faithfulness. As we hold it in our hands, may we think about your faithfulness. Lord, as we think about that, may we renew our commitment to you. In the present. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare the table, you continue to pray.